Well, hey, whether you stumbled onto my podcast or you've been a longtime listener, I'm glad you're listening. What is this podcast all about? Well, it's about people just like me, just like you, about age 60, maybe a little older, maybe a little younger, but you, like me, are trying to figure out how you're going to do life for this next 10, 20, 30 years. How are you going to stay healthy? What are you going to eat? Are you going to exercise? How are you going to do the things you really, really want to do in retirement? Uh, But most importantly, things that I think about go along these lines. How am I going to avoid assisted living? How am I going to maintain my independence? How am I going to enjoy life to its fullest until God says my time is done? Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Pushing 60 Aside with Gene Fleming. I'm an ISSA certified fitness trainer, senior fitness specialist, and I'm a nutrition coach, which is a lot different than being a registered dietitian. Uh, what is a nutrition coach? A nutrition coach is a guy that's taken some certifications in nutrition to understand the fundamentals of nutrition so that he can advise Uh, clients on some of the best uh, eating routines to help them achieve their fitness goals. It stands to reason that a power lifter and a long distance runner's nutrition needs may be different. And that's just one example. Now, I don't know all, all there is to know about nutrition, and I don't think anybody does. And anybody who claims they know it all um, is uh, probably not telling the truth. So I, I don't give medical advice, which is what a registered dietitian does. But if a person asks me, hey, what do you think of this kind of protein? Would this protein source be good for me? Um, uh, Trying to get some gains in my lifting to build muscle mass. Um, How much protein should I get in an average day uh, for a person my size? I can advise on those types of things. All right, well, that's a weird intro, but, uh, you know, here we are in the early days of March. It is March 4th, which sounds like a command to some of us. And, um, and uh, you know, I find myself, I'm not at a crossroads. Uh, please never think that uh, I'm vacillating on whether or not I'm going to do health and nutrition uh, any longer because I don't have any options, you know, at this point. I've made uh, too many successful gains in my own health and fitness. You've heard the story. Uh, I was obese. I was at least pre-diabetic. I had chronic pain issues, a bunch of surgeries, and I was very sick. I got well, and I went on to become a competitive runner. Now, that sounds weird coming from a guy who's going to turn 64 years old this coming November, Uh, Send your cards and letters to my address on Crystal Lake Drive. Thank you very much. (laughs) You laugh. (laughs) I'm kidding, but last year I actually received a happy birthday greeting from a good friend in Canada, and it made my day. Anyway, because we're only human, you know, and it makes us feel good when uh, people don't have to be reminded uh, by Facebook when our birthdays are. 
And there's a few people that do that, and I love them dearly for it. Well, so what are we going to talk about tonight? Because I am recording at about 9 p.m. in the evening. Just wanted to give you perspective. Uh, we had like the most beautiful springtime day here that you could imagine. It was near 70 degrees. It was clear skies. It was sunny, a slight breeze. And, uh, you know, and depending on where you are, your experience with March may be completely different than mine. And I strongly suspect it is. And uh, as well, it should be. Uh, if you live down the street, yours would be identical to mine. But since you likely don't, except for some of my friends in in northeast Alabama, uh, the uh, the point I wanted to make was um, we are all looking forward to spring. Some of us are getting early, like snapshots of it, like I got today. And um, and so, you know, the what I've been because we've had a few good days of of weather here. In fact, I had to mow my yard yesterday. And then that, that sounds weird to some of you because you may not see green grass until, uh, you know, late April, mid-May for some of you, you know, and, you know, that's geography. And if you're listening in the southern hemisphere, uh, you're coming out of warmer months, your fall of the year, going into your winter months here before long. So, you know, we've got all kinds of situations around the globe where weather's concerned, but we all can ask ourselves a really good question every single day, and that's going to be the aim and thrust of this podcast tonight. Um, the question is, uh, are you keeping it real? Uh, we, hear, we hear that tossed about, you know, uh, quite a bit. You know, you hear somebody say, uh, just keep it real, man, just keep it real. And uh, the older we get, the we need to adjust what real is, what reality is for us and um, where we want to be within keeping it real. Um, if I hadn't started running about six or seven years ago now, uh, it's unlikely that I would suddenly start jogging and running and doing uh, competitive 5Ks at this age. It, it's just unlikely. Well, I wouldn't be in good enough shape, and I, I may not have the, the stamina. I may not have the, the mental endurance to train for things like that. And, uh, but I did, and I'm here now. But even now, you know, I'm feeling the effects of aging just as anybody my age does, just as you do. I don't care if you're 50 or you're 60 or you're 70. You're feeling the effects of aging. And as we often hear, aging is not for sissies. Uh, <laughs> no, no, aging is hard. And it's like from one week to the next, you can discover a whole new thing about your aging. And so I, keep, I kept pondering this and, and kept repeating it over to myself this week. Keep it real. Keep it realistic. You know, what do I need to do? What are the minimums I should do? And what are my limits? Because that is keeping it real. Um, sometimes I, I get hard on myself because I feel like, well, gee, man, you're not doing what you were two or three years ago. Not with the same intensity, not with the number of miles you get, the number of daily steps you get, the number of weightlifting workouts that you get. Uh, and I ask myself this question, 
am I fading from fitness? Uh, mentally, I'm not tired of it. Physically, I'm not exhausted by it. What I am, am I, is that I'm human and, uh, you know, and I may have what, what's being commonly called these days pandemic fatigue. I'm just tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of the roller coaster that we've been on here in the United States um, with regard to social distancing, restrictions, masks, um, vaccinations. And, you know, and it's a, it's a frustrating thing to me that, uh, you know, that I got really well compared to where I was 10, 12 years ago. And, uh, and so, you know, as a human being, uh, as a member of this society, uh, I pulled myself out of the ditch, so to speak. And, um, you know, yay for me. You know, uh, that's what we should do if we can. And, um, and if we wait too long, we get to a point where we can't. We literally can't. And uh, so keeping it real for me, and this is the way my thinking goes. Okay, I've got this leg right here, and I've got this leg left here. Okay, I've got these feet down here. I've got these arms up here. I've got these shoulders, this back, these abs, um, these joints. And I want all of them to work in the coming years. And, uh, and, and you know, if my grandfather lived to be 93, there's a good possibility that I might if I do this right. But I don't want to be in a severely disabled state from 80 to 93. You follow? If I'm going to live to be 93, I want to be able to go and do and engage, stay active, take care of my property, take care of my cars, take care of essential needs around the home like cleaning and painting and and uh, repairs, you know, everyday stuff, taking the trash out, bringing the groceries in. The other night, uh, I had to do a late-night shopping run to Walmart, and I prefer to do it then because there's fewer people there. And I can get in, and I can get out, and barely uh, see but maybe a half dozen or a dozen people the whole time I'm there, and that's including the people that work there. Uh, I, I just feel safer. And when uh, when the store like that is really packed these days, I'm going to admit I get a little bit of COVID anxiety, a little bit of nervousness. And, uh, of course, I'm wearing my mask and I sanitize and I don't go around willy-nilly talking to people and shaking hands or any of that kind of stuff. But um, So I, I tend to go to Walmart like at 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. And um, so I went the other night and it was, a, it was what I would call a large shopping trip, you know, replenishing the, the basic needs, uh, you know, milk, eggs, and cheese, and meats, and, and uh, dog food, laundry products, those, those sorts of things. When I got home, I was unloading the, the car, and, uh, and so I parked the car in the carport, I lift the gate, and, um, and I have to navigate a gate and a door to get access to my back door. It's a chain link fence gate and then I have to go through a storm door. I have to go up about three or four steps. And um, so as I was grabbing the bags, as we all do, uh, I was kind of estimating the weight of, of the bags 
in each hand as I was making my way to that chain link fence gate. And typically, unless it was lightweight stuff, it was each bag I would carry about 10, maybe 12, maybe in some cases 15 pound worth of groceries in each hand. And I'd have to weave my way between the cars and over to the gate, open the gate and close the gate behind me so that the dogs don't escape, then open the door, prop the door open with my leg, and, and then enter the house. And I had to make three trips doing that. So let's just say the composite weight of each trip was 20 pounds. So, you know, I carried 60 pounds worth of total groceries, dog food, and all, all else that I bought uh, into the house. That's normal. That's normal. But it's not working out. You follow? It's, it's, it's not training muscles. It's just doing everyday chores and work. And so now if, if I did exactly that routine, carrying uh, 20 pounds per load three times and, and, and did that three different times in the same day, or in the same hour, it might be considered a workout of sorts. Surely my arms, my forearms, my hand strength, uh, <clears throat> my shoulders, my legs uh, are getting worked on. My balance is getting worked on while I'm navigating the gates and the doors and, and climbing the stairs. That's all good and fine, but it's nothing that's going to hone or improve my strength level, my flexibility level, my ability to balance myself uh, while walking with a load, all of those things. So that's not working out. That's just doing a chore. And so uh, in asking myself this question, am I keeping it real? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? I've got to find the point that's real and right for me. Not, not real and right for you, or real and right for anybody else, but what my body needs, what my body can do, what I'm motivated to do, what I'm willing to do, uh, what I can, <laughs> I hate to say it like this, but things that I can't make an excuse to get out of. That's why walking with a buddy is such a good idea. And uh, one of my good walking buddies and I, we're starting back up walking together. Um, because I can tell you if I call her and say, let's go walk, uh, all of a sudden both of us are committed to the process. You see, it's kind of a social contract of a different kind to, to keep each other accountable and, and try to have a fun time doing it as well. So walking with other people has been a routine of my fitness plan since I first started walking and you know, unfortunately, m most of our personal fitness is a lonely journey. It's a, it's a lonely adventure in finding self-motivation, finding time, um, you know, having the right equipment, whereas shoes, socks, uh, you know, sweats, whatever you wear to work out in, you know, all those things have to be plugged in. We have to make sure that we're eating correctly to support the training that we're doing. Um, you know, what works well for me if I'm going to work out in the morning is something that's got a few carbs in it, but not too many. So I'm not going to eat something like frosted corn cereal. 
I'm going to eat something like oatmeal that's got some protein. I'm probably going to put some type of um, additional protein with it, like a couple of eggs, and just keep it simple. I don't want to get heavy feeling. I don't want to go into the, the gym or into a workout at home um, feeling like my belly is stuffed with food. I want to kind of be uh, light on my feet, if you please, when I'm starting to work out. And uh, I certainly don't want to hyperload with easy carbs, namely sugar. So it's not a good idea, even if they're whole wheat pancakes, to load them up with syrup or some or honey or uh, jams or jellies or anything like that. But to keep it simple, and uh, I'm going to get enough carbs in that oatmeal to, you know, fuel me through the workout, and and um, some of them are going to uptake quickly into my bloodstream, and um, and enough protein and enough fiber. So it's a good mix for me. And, uh, and the protein is going to be there uh, already in my system for when my muscles begin doing their recovery from a workout because that's the way it works. And as we've discussed many times before, most of our muscle growth and repair happens when we sleep. So if I get up in the morning like I normally do, and I normally start my day with a morning stretch, and that's not a stretch of the truth. And it's not so much anymore because of uh, the beginning of my fitness day as it is the beginning of getting and getting my body tested and limbered up enough just to do ordinary things. And by ordinary, I mean walk into the kitchen, opening the refrigerator dog door, letting the dogs out, uh, taking down my breakfast cereal and you know, and, you know, just all that, maybe unloading the dishwasher, you know, things like that. But, you know, like so many people, when I wake up in the morning, I'm a little bit stiff. And uh, sometimes uh, it takes a, a few minutes to get limbered up. Uh, I do a lot of that laying in bed. I start by doing ankle rotations. And uh, these are things that I taught in my senior fitness class to to get those ligaments, those tendons in the ankles loosened up. And then when I stand up, I stand up out of bed gently. Now, there was a time when I was a young sailor boy that I could bounce out of bed, throw on a uniform, and go do my job in just a few seconds, it seemed. And, and there was another time when I was in my early 20s, my routine was to roll out of my bunk directly onto the floor and do as many push-ups as I could. Uh, I don't do that anymore, you know, because that's not real. That's, that's the whole point. Is, is this real? Doing this limbering and stretching and warming up. I do uh, shoulder rotations. Uh, I do overhead reaches. I do side flexes, um, you know, and, and then every morning, and this has become a habit with me, and, and, and forgive me if I sound weird. The, the object here is not to sound weird, but to give you a clue, an idea of what I personally put into my overall fitness routine and keeping it real. So I start with the stretch. All right. And um, so then there's the getting dressed part and the putting on of clothing and, and shoes and socks and all of that. So... 
something I started doing a number of years ago once I regained my balance was once I'm limbered up and I've stretched and I've done these uh, stretching my ankles, my feet, my knees, my legs, my hips, everything that I can, I put my socks on while I'm standing and I stand on one foot and put a sock on the other foot. This requires me to be focused, to be balanced, and to pay attention to what I'm doing or I'm going to topple over and bash my head into a chest of drawers. Uh, and I also put my underwear on while standing. Uh, there was a time I had to sit on the bed and do such things, and I'm, I'm sorry if you've got a graphic image of me hobbling around on one foot, uh, uh, putting uh, my socks and my underwear on. And uh, same thing for my pants. I do all of my getting dressed standing up without leaning, without sitting. And, uh, and then, uh, of course, by now I've got a shirt on. And I am, I am suitably dressed to meet the day. Uh, maybe not to go to anything formal, but certainly decent enough to walk around the house and, and be seen in the, in the backyard when I let the dogs out. So who let the dogs out? <laughs> it was me. <laughs> Oh, yet I digress. <clears throat> so this is all in keeping it real. And um, so after this stretch in the bed and then this little balance exercise that I do uh, with putting my socks on I, I, and, my, and getting my clothes on, I put my shoes on while standing on one foot at a time. And, that, and these are lace-up athletic shoes. I stand there, I pull that right foot up, I put that shoe on, I cinch it up and lace it up without ever putting that right foot up on a bench or a chair or without having to sit down and, you know, and lean way over and tie them. And uh, it probably looks funny. I don't know. I, I've never re recorded a video of me doing that. But I can tell you this, it has kept my balance really sharp uh, for somebody 63 years old. And I'm not saying there aren't people that are sharper and more balanced than I am, but this is just one little way that I can keep it real for me. And so uh, sometimes when I stand up from uh, my favorite sitting place where I watch TV, I'll stand up, I'll do some light stretches again. I want to get some juice in the joints. I want to get the blood circulating. And I may do some balance exercises while I continue to watch uh, watch TV. I'll stand there on one foot, you know, like, a, let's say, a flamingo or something. And, uh, and then I'll go to the other foot and I will maintain that one-legged stance for, you know, 20, 30 seconds. In the meantime, everything that works together to strengthen my lower leg and get my brain to attune itself to what is upright and balanced for me so that I'm not wobbling all over the place. All of that is being trained. This is realistic for me. And uh, those of you familiar with yoga, I do some yoga. Not a lot, but some. And um, one of the poses that I routinely do is called the standing tree pose. And uh, you're just going to have to look that up on Google. Uh, it's, a, it's a very common yoga pose. You've probably seen it on TV and didn't know that's what it was called. But, uh, you know, there, there's something to that 
as a strengthening and balance exercise, and I routinely do it because it's realistic for me. Now, would I prescribe this to somebody who was 80 years old who had just uh, started working with me in fitness? No, not, not, not in the beginning, maybe not ever, um, but working on balance in general would definitely be something we would do because we want to prevent falls because people over 60 are more likely to be injured from a fall than any other part of the population. And oftentimes, as you well know, when those of us that are over 60, 65 take a fall, we get hurt. You know, floors are hard. So, in keeping it real and understanding that despite my stretching and my balancing uh, exercises that I do every single day without fail, whether I go to the gym, whether I run, whether I walk a long distance, I do these stretching and balance exercises every day. Um, can anybody do this? Everybody can do it at some level. If you can stand, you can work on your balance. And, uh, you know, and, and I encourage people to uh, get in a safe place and try it. Maybe standing at your kitchen counter to where you can uh, stand on one foot. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to go full-blown into the yoga pose or anything like that, but just stand there on one foot and maybe just put one finger on the counter and then lift it off and see how long you can stand on that one foot. You know, watch a second hand on a clock or count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi uh, for counting the number of seconds, and hopefully you can get to 10 Mississippis. If you can, that's pretty good. Another thing that I routine, routinely do because it's realistic for me is I do squats every night. And, um, you know, and as, a, as an interesting bit of trivia, you know, squatting is a very normal human thing to do because for most of mankind's existence, toilets didn't exist. You follow that? Uh, mankind went out behind his, his uh, hut, his pavilion outside of his cave or whatever, and he squatted on the ground to take care of business. And so squatting is, a, is an action, is a position the human developed with over, you know, tens of thousands of years. Every night, and this is almost religious with me, when I finish brushing my teeth, there's a connection here. Brush the teeth, rinse, and do at least 10 fairly deep squats. And uh, if that sounds like too much for you to do, keep those fingertips on the bathroom counter. Squat as low as you can comfortably go slowly. And that's the trick to this, doing this slow, because what you're doing is you're engaging the large muscles of your legs, the same ones that are going to help you climb steps and stairs. And, uh, you know, that's realistic for me. I can do 10 squats every day. Will 10 squats make a difference? You better bet you. Because imagine if I did no squats and I wasn't doing any running or any heavy lifting on machines in the gym, those big muscles wouldn't get much exercise except for, uh, you know, what little bit of chores I have to do around the house that do not constitute actual workouts. Um, it takes me 30 minutes to vacuum our entire house. And uh, it's not because it's large, it's because we have dogs. And... Uh, 
So is that a workout? It's good activity. It's better than sitting on the couch all day or, or sleeping till noon, but it's not a workout. And, uh, you know, yesterday I had to mow. Is that a workout? No, I was on a riding mower. But afterwards, I had to do a lot of raking because I planted ryegrass over winter and it grew like crazy these last couple of weeks. I had places that were eight inches deep in my backyard and the dogs were starting to uh, uh, object. So uh, now I woke up this morning just a little bit sore in my shoulders, not in pain, just I could tell that I used muscles in a way I hadn't routinely used them. And, and using a rake is one such thing. Plus, I had to do lifting of a lot of wet grass and hauling it off. So, uh, but what I'm trying to do these days, because it's keeping real, is because uh, even for me, it's hard to set aside uh, 30 minutes to an hour just for working muscles. And so I leave a set of 15-pound dumbbells uh, on my weight bench to where when I walk into this room that I'm seating myself in right now, when I walk in here, they're glaring at me. And, uh, and so I pick them up and I knock out, oh, about three different types of lifts with my arms, shoulders, and, uh, and, and I'll do like 10 or 12 reps. And so all total, that'll be 30, 36 lifts uh, with a total of 30 pounds. That's a pretty good workout. It's not a long workout. I can get that done in about mm, five minutes. Later in the day, I'm going to do it again because it all counts. And this is realistic for me. So if I'm watching TV and I have to take a bathroom break, I have to come down that hall I look there and see that weight bench, and I say, mm-hmm, okay, let's go ahead and knock out. I can do 36 lifts. I can do them nice and slow to get the most benefit out of them. This is keeping it real. Okay, so, so far I've talked about stretching and balance and working in some type of strength training like squats or lightweight dumbbell workouts into your daily routine routine at least your every other day routine we're not talking about pouring sweat we're not talking about breathing hard we're talking about keeping muscles as strong and functional as they can be for people our ages and um, another thing that I would encourage you to do if you can and I had a, a physical therapist tell me this one time that if he was going to recommend any activity to people who are aging and I think he was mostly looking at the age 50 crowd and older um, he said I would tell them to every day lay down on their living room floor and get themselves up to a standing position and lay down and get themselves up and lay down I mean I'm talking about belly down flat out on the floor and get yourself up. If you can do that 10 times, uh, you're in pretty good shape. Um, some of us fall down and we can't get up at all. Uh, I have been in rescue situations with individuals that I didn't even know who fell in a parking lot. And this happened uh, uh, two, three, three summers ago. 
a lady fell over here at the golf course parking lot on the hot asphalt in the middle of the day in the summertime and she literally could not even begin to get herself up now she was probably 65 to 68 I'm just guessing there I didn't ask her it wasn't the time to do that but uh, and she was obese I'm not judging her for that she she was there at a social gathering for a garden club but she fell and she did not have the strength to get herself up what this physical therapist was saying was that you know we stay strong at the level we need to and if getting down on the floor uh, is impossible it makes it it then becomes impossible for you to get up you've got weaknesses that could leave you in dire straits in the years to come uh, I don't know about you but I've taken accidental falls I have stepped down off a stepladder and stepped backwards and went splat uh, it would have been embarrassing for me uh, a couple of years ago when I did that it'd be embarrassing now but it would have been embarrassing for me to have to pull my phone out of my pocket out there laying in the yard and call my wife to perhaps get a neighbor to help me get up. And, and it's, it's not about embarrassment. It's about self-preservation. Uh, one of the things I don't like to talk about much, but it's going to be inevitable for a lot of us. Sooner or later, we're going to find ourselves at that crossroads in life where we're likely going to be living alone or having to go to an assisted living situation. In the meantime, I don't want to speed up that timeline through injuries. I do not want to break a hip. I do not want to crack an elbow. I do not want to bust this big melon head of mine. So these are things I want you to think about when you're doing your fitness. I'm talking about more than walking, more than eating a healthy diet, but uh, stretch and strength all over your body. Everything that's got a muscle in it, if it's, it's got a bone in it, it's got muscle around it. So upper arms, forearms, legs, quads, hamstrings, your rear end muscles, your glutes, uh, your core strength, um, you know, everything, and then by core I mean your obliques, the muscles on your sides, and your abdominal muscles. Everything that we can work, we should work because, you know, we're not just legs and we're not just arms and shoulders. I'm not just grip strength. It's the whole system of the human body that works together to get me out of dire situations like an accidental fall or helps me get 60 pounds worth of groceries in the house safely well folks keep it real keep it real look at yourself look at what you're doing look at what um, realistic limits for you are um, a lot of you walk on average three miles a day or more I support that a hundred percent as long as you're not ending up with shin splints or or losing sleep over it you know, how much is enough exercise? I personally think if you go for a good brisk walk of about a mile every day or so, it's pretty good. It's going to keep you in pretty good health. If your goals are higher than that, or maybe you're trying to work up to um, a distance, uh, you know, half, mar half marathon or 
10K distance nonstop, and maybe you're aiming for speed and hills and time and all kind of, you know, you know, challenge yourself. Yeah, but always keep it real. A um, little over three years ago, I was training for a, a full mar- full yeah, full marathon at Little River Canyon, and uh, and it's really really one of the tough marathons in this part of the country, and a uh, lot of major hills, and I'm talking, you know, changing elevation a uh, couple of hundred feet every half mile you know it's up and down and up and down and up and down and uh and i trained diligently for it um i was as prepared as i could get for it but during the training for it um i was gradually working up to where i was doing you know eight miles you know and uh was 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 doing good at it excuse me this is a half marathon 13 point one miles uh the little river canyon half marathon is and i was training up for it and i wanted to work up to where i could knock out about eight or nine miles jogging or running every day well i ended up with shin splints and guess what i had to stop training i had to ease it back to gentle walking for a month and then right before the race i had to retrain up into running as i could because I trained so hard, I left myself incapable of running because of the pain in my shins. So these things happen. You know, every athlete, every person that does any kind of, of uh, fitness training sooner or later is going to have an injury of some sort. Uh, sometimes it's just sore muscles. Um, sometimes uh, it can be a tear. It can be a small muscle tear. It can be a large muscle tear. Um, it can be hyperextension of any tendon in your body. You know, I have a, I have a major complaint in, in my body right now. And uh, I have tennis elbow in my right elbow. I don't play tennis, but that's what it's called. And uh, of all things, the thing that triggered it this time, because it's recurring, I've had it <laughs> many times, using the weed eater triggered that, uh, that tennis elbow again. So anyway, if we keep it real, we're less likely to get hurt. If we push ourselves to unrealistic expectations, uh, even if we're trying to be competitive in a walking challenge or in a 5K race or any other activity, uh, the likelihood of getting injured or hurt goes way up, and then that shuts you down. And when we're shut down, We lose muscle mass, we lose flexibility, we lose strength, we lose uh, our endurance. All those things can quickly fade off, and so we have to be smart. We have to be smart uh, about this and and look at ourselves and and be honest with ourselves and maybe talk to our doctors about this. Talk to a a fitness trainer or fitness coach about these things. Um, Ask yourself, is it really wise that I'm doing whatever I'm doing? Do I feel better in the days following after I do something so arduous? And if not, scale it back to what's realistic for you because realistic is where the best health and fitness is achieved. Until next time, this is Papa G, Papa Gene, on the uh, 
Pushing 60 Aside podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. As always, this podcast is 100% free without commercials, without endorsements, and uh, the opinions here are solely mine. And uh, they're not bought and paid for by anybody, any company, any institution, any organization. I just want you to have the best possible senior years ever. Until next time, I hope that you're getting some of this fine spring weather and making the transition out of the cold of Iowa, the cold of Canada, and uh, that you're getting some good ideas about this transition into warmer weather and getting your body ready for that now. You know, you will have more opportunities to do more stuff and to change it up a little bit, and that's all good. Until next time, may the good Lord bless and keep you.